0: Good evening everyone! I am your mystery maven, Roxy Zucker from New England Curiosities. Did you hear that there is a storm rolling in right now? Um, If you are here in New England you may have heard that there are a few warnings going off for us. So um, indeed it may be a very dark and stormy night for many of us. I was thinking back to a presentation I had done in uh, Billerica, Massachusetts, one evening, and I was standing in front of these huge windows in their library. The windows had to be at least 15 feet high. We had probably about 130 people in the audience, and it was a beautiful drive down from New Hampshire. The sun was out, it was a fabulous day. And as soon as I started telling my ghost stories, crack in the windows was lightning and thunder rumbled through. And I really thought that we were going to lose power, which actually would have been quite cool by my standards to tell ghost stories in a darkened room but it was one of the most dramatic presentations that I think I've done in my career um, because it was just the perfect atmosphere. So sometimes we don't have control over those things, but timing was everything. And when I was done um, about an hour and a half later, the wind had stopped, the rain had stopped, and it just seemed to last just long enough for my presentation. So it was um, pretty fun. Uh, So I was thinking about that this evening. So this is a story that I pretty much found by accident. And I was out on a typical drive through New England. I, I kind of do these things, um, a lot of people that know me will hear me refer to like the terms intuition drive, where I pretty much just get behind the wheel of my car and just drive and see where the day leads me. And I was led to um a, a little town in Maine, and uh, one of the first things I like to do exploring someplace new, no, believe it or not, is to stop at the library. I stopped at the library, it was this little tiny library, very old world, and I was asking about ghost stories. I wanted to look where the town history archives were. As I went through the town history archives, I kid you not, this was um, probably uh, about 10 years ago, the uh, librarian that was working there brought out a folder with uh, typewritten accounts and stories. Um, from the history of the town, and it was typewritten, double-spaced, probably written maybe somewhere in um, the 1970s, maybe early 1980s. And when I found this story of the Haunted Hollow, I was completely taken in. Um, There aren't, you know, a lot of stories of Haunted Hollows in New England, and this was one that I really liked. I also like the age of the story, because it goes back to 1801. So um, I spent the day going through the town archives, picked up little bits and pieces of history and folklore, but in particular this was the ghost story that I had picked up. Um, I'm going to read this to you out of the manuscript for the book that this was actually published in, and it's Haunted York County. This is The Haunting of Bryant's Hollow in Shapley, Maine, and again this is something that I found in the library, in the town archives. And I will tell you, it's a really, really good one. And it's, uh, it's got all, all the spooky factors that I love in a story. Lots of atmosphere, a big mystery. And remember we spell atmosphere with an F-E-A-R. All right, so are you ready? Are you ready for The Haunting of Brian's Hollow? Ooh, spooky and storm coming up outside. All right, so let's settle in. It was 1801. Thomas Jefferson was president of the United States and Shapley, Maine was a quiet pioneer town. Many of the settlers of the day were woodsmen and they worked hard to clear the land and build their homes in the shadows of the wilderness and wild animals. Can you imagine like all these, you know, these wild places back in the day? People didn't leave the town or travel for basic needs because they grew much of what they needed right on their very own farms. Reverend Bryant was a traveling Baptist preacher who lived in a small settlement along the Ossipee River, 30 miles north of the Shapley Plains. He traveled by horseback, preaching the word of God to the people. Reverend Bryant was also a peddler and carried a variety of hard to find supplies such as medicine, needles, and kitchenware. The roads into Shapley weren't much more than well-trod cow paths. The trees and places were quite thick and the roads nearly impassable due to the surrounding overgrowth. Despite the challenges Reverend Bryant often experienced in his travels, he had a dedication to his position that could not be deterred. It was said that there was something else at work that helped ease Rev. Bryant's travels. He had a penchant for deeply sampling the rum bottle. Some men in the communities he visited secretly disliked him because when they would come home from working, their rum jugs were empty. Many hospitable womenfolk would make sure that the Reverend was well stocked with rum for his travels. And sometimes that meant emptying out their husband's stores. On a chilly autumn day, Reverend Bryant arrived in, Shap- in the Shapley settlement at the head of the Moosom River. Both horse and rider had grown weary of their long journey, and they were ready to rest for the night. The Reverend decided to spend the night at the inn, which was owned by Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Hasty. In the morning, when he awoke, anxious to get an early start, Mr. Hasties decided that he was going to let him know that the roads may have changed since his last visit. Reverend Bryant was told that the winding road through the plains might cause some confusion and could cause him to get lost. Mr. Hasty offered to accompany the reverend and went off to saddle up both of their horses. They rode off towards the plains with a cascade of golden leaves falling around them. Many days later, Mr. Day and Deacon Hill assembled a group of pioneers to hear the preaching of Reverend Bryant. The group became impatient after waiting for hours, but the reverend failed to appear. Many of those in attendance had brought families and food for the day. No one liked the idea of traveling home long distances in the dark as the shadows of the evening appeared. But by day's end, the only person to arrive was a messenger sent by Reverend Bryant's family. The Reverend's mother and sisters had become distraught and worried about his safety since they had not seen him for days. Although the messenger continued his search for the missing preacher, years passed and there was neither word nor evidence to lead to his whereabouts. Those who knew the reverend held out hope and felt that he should not be forgotten. Then one day a riderless horse showed up in Shapley, raising concerns because it looked just like the reverend's horse. Hmm, all that time that horse running wild? I wonder. It wasn't long before the neighbors of Mr. Hasty became very suspicious of him. Mrs. Hasty had inadvertently mentioned that she had found a hat and a bundle that looked like the preacher's. It was rather strange because she said she found them weeks after the reverend's stay, and she knew he had had them in his possession when he had bid her goodbye. bye All of a sudden, she stopped talking about the incident, and many believed her husband had something to do with her immediate silence. Frightening tales were soon spreading throughout Shapley Village. An unusual occurrence happened one night around dusk. Travelers were being thrown off their horses in an area of the plains that is now known as Bryant's Hollow, and that name still sticks today. A man named Joe was visiting the village and before he knew it, the moon was rising up against the twilight sky. His ride home seemed uneventful, that is until he reached the haunted road in the hollow. All of a sudden, Joe's horse reared back, almost throwing him into the brush. Joe steadied himself on the horse and urged it forward, but the horse would not take one step further, stopped right in his tracks, and spooked, the horse acted nervous. Joe dismounted and calmed the trembling horse. As he looked deeper into the hollow, he saw a figure emerging from the shadows. A man dressed in a gray coat and no hat slowly approached him. An ice-cold breeze seemed to cut right through Joe, and he started to speak to the figure before him. With a shaking voice, he demanded to know why this man in gray was blocking the road and would not let him continue. The man in gray spoke in reassuring tones and told Joe that he didn't mean him any harm, but he did have a message to relay. Meanwhile, Joe's horse seemed to quiet down and began to munch on the grass at the edge of the road. The man told Joe that he was the first person who had been unafraid to speak to him. Most people just ran away. He wanted to explain why he had troubled so many travelers along this stretch of road. It was revealed that in life he was known as clergyman Bryant and had preached the gospel throughout the area. He relayed the story that he had last traveled the road with Joseph Hasty, with whom he had spent the previous night, As they rode through the hollow, a man named Warren had emerged from the darkened woods. The Reverend explained that Warren was a man who wasn't interested in listening to the teachings of the Bible. Warren had taken Hasty aside, and in their whisperings, the Reverend overheard them plotting against him. The men believed the Reverend was carrying a fair sum of money. The preacher insisted that he only carried the word of the Bible. Just then, the voice of the Reverend rose in great distress and the specter pointed to one of the large roadside trees. The letter B had been carved somewhere near the bottom. Oddly, no one who had passed by the tree had stopped nor cared to notice before. The voice continued on, claiming that he was murdered beneath that very tree. Joe looked at the tree horrified and the apparition asked Joe to follow him so he could show him where his body was buried. Frightened but curious, Joe decided to follow after the spirit through the thick oak trees and the dried leaves underfoot. Oddly, the only footsteps that Joe heard were his own. They walked several rods from the road, and the Reverend pointed to the ground and told Joe that that was the lonely spot where his body was buried. He suggested that Joe break off some tree branches so that he could find the spot again, and also advised him to read the 69th Psalm to know what was going through his mind at the hands of his attackers. The spirit told Joe that he would be able to rest now that he had told his story. When Joe was done breaking off a handful of branches, he turned to look for the apparition, but it was completely gone. Joe's fright came back as he looked around and noticed that it had gotten quite dark. The shadows seemed so close. He quickly scrambled out of the dense trees and back to the darkened road as he tried to escape his feelings of dread. Joe's horse moved at a quickened pace as he raced home that night, and upon arrival, he asked his mother to read him the 69th Psalm. His mother was amazed, for Joe had never spent this much time reading the Bible, but something about him seemed different that night. After reading the Psalm, Joe seemed to calm down for a bit, and he relayed the story of his encounter with the apparition of the reverend earlier that night. His mother became excited by the story he told, and she went into detail about what she knew of the Reverend's story. She also described the strange way that Mr. Hasty had acted after the disappearance. The man seemed frightened of everything. He wouldn't even milk his cows alone after dark. Those who attended his death said that he was shockingly afraid right up until the very second that he died. Joe was curious if his mother knew anything of Mr. Hastie's accomplice, Warren. She had heard the gossip that linked him to the disappearance, although no one could prove anything. Coincidentally, during Warren's last days on earth, before he died, he called for the local minister. It was believed that just before he died, he made a confession under the promise of secrecy, and this seemed to ease his soul. The tale of Joe's spectral encounter spread quickly through the village, but it was some time before he ventured back into the hollow. By the time he did, the area was so trampled over that he couldn't find any of the branches he had broken on that fateful night. Most people agreed that it was best not to disturb the grave of the reverend and that he should be left at peace. From that day forward, The stories of unusual encounters in the hollow came to an end. However, the story doesn't end there. Reverend Bryant's sister had grown old, but she was constantly plagued by strange dreams. In each dream, she was urged to take a journey in which she would be able to find the man who could tell her about the death of her brother. When his sister finally heard of Joe's encounter with the spirit in the hollow, she knew that she would have to find him. The Reverend's mother, who was quite old, but still alive, told her daughter to have faith in her dreams. She urged her to put her trust in God to protect her on the dangerous journey to search for the man who had seen her brother. Courageously, the Reverend's sister took the journey on horseback to Shapley, to the home of Joe and his mother. When she arrived, she asked Joe to tell her the story of his encounter with her dear brother. Once she heard the story, she said that she was at peace and that their mother could be free of her worry over her missing son. She thanked Joe and set off home with the story. Much of the Shapley Plains are still wild and wooded today. And many people wonder if one day when a cellar hole or well is dug, if the bones of the revend will be found. When that gruesome reminder is found, the story of the murdered ghost from long ago will once again echo through the village. What do you think? Do you think they'll ever find? the body of Reverend Bryant. Do you think he's still buried somewhere in the hollow? It's, um, it's a fascinating story. And I have not um, seen the source for the story anywhere else, um, again, other than that <laughs> double space, typewritten, three-ring binder um, comprehensive history on Shapley. And those are the stories that are just pure gold to me. There's so much detail. There's so many people that are referenced in the story, and it's left very open-ended. We don't know, you know, um, what, what happened to the reverend. Was he truly murdered? I mean, it stands to reason. I mean, you have, you know, the story of the man who is frightened even on his deathbed and the confession of Warren, fearful that, you know, he needs to make good before he passes over. I don't know, I find it quite a curious tale. Um, And Shapley is still, you know, fairly quiet, fairly out of the way. And it's also curious to me that that day that I was traveling, I wasn't intent on going to Shapley, yet for some reason the roads led me there. Was it the spirit of Reverend Bryant who wanted someone to tell the story? Well certainly we could surmise of something like that. Um, or was it just the fact that I was wandering about and stumbled into this library? I don't know, a lot of curious things happen in my line of work. and. I've learned, you know, not to, not to question things sometimes. Um, leave them up to maybe some sort of strange or uh, otherworldly source. But um, I really hope you liked the story of The Haunted Hollow. I can't help it if you can't sleep and you're dreaming of Reverend Bryant and The Hollow over there in Shapley, Maine. It's quite the story. But um, thank you so much for joining us. Please take care. And stay spooky, maybe light a few candles tonight, just so you're not left in the dark with the ghosts. And um, I will see you really soon.